0: Okay. Look, I'm 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 a little disappointed. Not. In myself, personally. I think I did a a fine job here. No, uh, I'm disappointed because I had a great conversation with Lindsay Parks just three days ago, and the technical platform that manages all my podcasts ate her side of the recording, strangely. Uh, Never had that happen, so I'm truly still trying to dig into what happened and how to make sure it doesn't happen again, because I don't want to do this again. Uh, But that is to say, I had a great conversation with, with, uh, with Lindsay, and it's gone, as far as I can tell. So unless... The IT folks at my platform can make some sort of magic happen. We're going to have to re-record, and you're just going to have to live with the disappointment that I live with that there was a great conversation and you don't get to hear it. Maybe you'll hear some sort of version of it at some point, but not today. So because Lindsay's conversation got yanked, uh, sorry, that's not my fault, but still that sucks. Um, we're going to talk about something else and we're going to talk about your employer brand. What? Here on this podcast? Yes, it's true. But more specifically, we, we talk a lot about this, the the abstract of what it is in it, what is employer brand, what is employer branding, what does it look like, how do you know you're doing it well, how to how to talk about it, how to execute it, how to design it, develop all that good stuff. And you know, when I when you have a last minute kind of oh crap, the podcast isn't going out, we got to come up with a topic. My list of topics is not as deep as I want it to be for whatever reason. I don't know what that's about. Maybe because none of you have sent me questions. Anyway. So I had to kind of think, well, what have I been doing this week? And the, for whatever reason, I had two clients kind of land at the same time, and I presented their employer brand to them, which, you know, okay, great. And it's unusual that it happen for things like that to line up. One project took three months. One project took eh, four and a half, five weeks. But I actually presented their employer brand within days of each other. And between that and some other work I'm doing, it's like, oh, you know what, there's a – There's a bit of a skill. There's a bit of an art to, not that I possess all of that, to presenting an employer brand, right? And I thought we'd talk about that because if you can't get buy-in, your life is going to get harder. That isn't to say that your executive, your leadership team needs to have this kind of presentation. That doesn't mean that they allow you to do your job. You're going to do your job. If you're doing it right, you're just going to do it. There's so many different ways you can execute and develop and Launch and support and cultivate and influence an employer brand without a dime, without any authority. In fact, fr- frankly, you should be focusing on non authoritative focuses. That's how you get more authentic stuff, whatever. This is a very long introduction. But getting some buy in from leadership is, is really helpful. And. Uh, No, I'm going to skip that story about my (laughs) separate day job, something else. Anyway, we're going to talk about how to present your employer brand because if you can get good at this, you can get some better buy-in to get more budget maybe and some more support and resources to do the good work you want to do. So we'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time, for joining in. We do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better, and that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, We really do appreciate that. All right. Let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, still kind of, God, still feeling the disappointment of that Lindsay Parks conversation. Really, you, you missed a winner. It was good stuff. Uh, we'll find a way to re-record it. It's great because she comes at it from having been an employer brander for a long time. Now she's moving over to the marketing side and now she gets to talk one. She gets a different perspective on what branding and marketing is. Um, and she gets to you know say what she really thinks now that she's leaving that department in that world. So I, it's a, it was a great conversation. We will figure out a way to make this happen again. Other housekeeping duties are things like, hey, I'm going to be at MRA in Bettendorf, Iowa. You should do that. That's first week of June. Could uh, be at transform in Boston. Got to do social working strategies in Philly in, I want to say, August you know, there's stuff percolating. Obviously, go to employerbrand.recruiting or go to thetalentcast.com. You can see all the details there. and It's in the show notes, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about how do you present your employer brand. So as you know, I do some consulting or I do a lot of consulting or really more to the point, I don't do nearly enough as mine. I like to do because I love to do this work. That's just me. So that maybe you. I don't know. Maybe you're in-house. Maybe you're not in-house. Maybe you're agency side. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to level up your work on an agency side maybe you're trying to figure out how to level up your work on the in-house side maybe you're just bored and this is the podcast you landed on i'm so sorry but presenting an employer brand is not easy and there's a couple reasons why i'm going to try and break it down a little bit and i can give you some of the things i've learned through hard worn experience hard one experience i guess more of the point of how to present a brand and how to get good buy-in so let's just set a stage, right? Let's set up a scenario that's very straightforward that you can either steal from or at least kind of extrapolate how to make it work in your particular world. Um, I'm trying to merge both my in-house experience and my my consulting experience, which actually turn out to be very, very similar but how to present that brand. So let's take an example where you have been tasked with developing and launching an employer brand and you've done the good work. You've talked to people, you've interviewed people, maybe you've done some workshops, maybe you've done some focus groups. Your process is your own. And that's, by the way, as a side note, one of the things I'm interested, I think is interesting about employer brand is everybody's processes is their own. It's kind of like being a Jedi and making your own lightsaber, right? You get to build it how you need to build it. So my process is my process. I could hand it to you And you'd be like, cool, and you wouldn't do it as well as I would because it's my process. Your process is going to be your process. It's going to reflect your skills, your experience, your strengths, all that stuff. And if I took your process, I wouldn't do it as well as you would. That's just life. So anyway, this is the process of developing and uncovering and revealing and polishing and refining and focusing and all those other verbs we could talk about. That employer brand is a separate podcast. So let's say you nailed it you nailed it you got it you know what this thing is you've worked with marketing you've worked with comms you've gotten some buy-in on the smaller teams on the local teams recruiters have 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 talked about it you've talked about it with them they can see the value your your boss sees it they get it you're now presenting it to a larger audience that is c-suite that is chro that is um, business leaders that is the client if you're doing an agency or you're doing consulting work it doesn't. You're presenting it to someone for whom they have a vague understanding of what an employer brand is, and with their blessing, you either get to go on to the rest of the project, or you get to go on with the rest of your job, or you don't. You get to go back to the drawing board, and no one wants to go back to the drawing board. That's no fun, and also, it kind of you don't want to throw away this good work anyway. So let's just assume that's the situation. You've done the work. You've come up with something. Now, of course. Half the battle is what have you come up with? And I'm sure we could do a whole podcast in and of itself of what that kind of structure of what's an employer brand. I know a lot of people think of it as a North Star, a lot of people think of it as an EVP, an employer value proposition. That's kind of the most common phrasing, but I wonder. I look at a lot of them, I'm like, well, who's the value is this? <laughs> or for whom is this the value? Um it sounds like this is the value to the company and not to the employee or to the prospect. Um sometimes it's called a brand promise, sometimes it's called a brand position. Sometimes, you know, it's just, hey, here's our tagline. Now I think it got I personally, I think it should be more than a tagline. I think the tagline is an expression of that focus. But whatever you've decided to package up, Remember, it's your lightsaber. You built it. You, you design it. Um, you got to figure out what you're packaging up. So we can talk. We'll just leave that for a separate. So you've figured it out and you've put it in a series of slides. And you're going to come in and you're going to say, hey, this company, the employer brand is chocolate. I don't know. I'm just, my kid likes a lot of baking shows and they talk about chocolate a lot. And I'm on keto, which tortures me and that's just killing me so whatever so i'm thinking about chocolate a lot more than i should but here we are so your employer brand is chocolate just you know in, in, for those of you seen um how i met your mother there was a, a A bit where um, the lawyer dude whose name is escaping me said he had this really complicated report, and all his friends were like, Look, let's just call it the ninja report to make it cooler, right? You had to present the ninja report because that sounds cooler than whatever the hell it is you were presenting. Same thing here the ninja brand, the chocolate brand, whatever you want to call it. You're presenting the ninja chocolate, the chocolate ninja, which I don't know what the hell that means. Anyway. You've got the thing. It's a couple of slides. Maybe it's a lot more than a couple of slides. Maybe it's just a handful. Maybe it's a, a poster. I mean, you want to go full-on old-school Mad Men style and you have a big foam core printout that you just flip the, 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 the board around to do the big reveal of what your employer brand is. I wouldn't recommend that for a couple of reasons. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, what do you do? So at this point, you have the brand, you understand what it is, you've done all the work, you understand someone didn't hand you the material and you kind of polished it up. You didn't do just creative work on it. You understand the guts of this thing. You understand this to the veiny guts of it, right? It is yours. You have built this thing from nothing and crafted it and presented it and revealed it. Okay, so you have the thing. Let's just pretend it's a deck because usually it is. And you're in front of leadership team. You can call it C-suite, you can call it client work, whatever you wanna call it. These are people who generally do not think about anything you do more than say four seconds out of the day. Maybe five on a good day. They generally don't think about it. And when they think about it, they think about an employer brand as a problem they have to fix. And luckily, they've hired you, either as an in house person or tasked you, whatever, as an in house person and as a consultant, as an agency, whatever, to solve this problem. Nobody cares how creative this thing is. Nobody cares how. well thought out this is. What this is, is a means to solve a problem. And this is the crux of where most employer brand people get it wrong. And they want to focus on, look at all the due diligence I did. Look how many interviews I did. Look how many conversations I have. Look, we sent a survey out and a thousand people responded to it. And look at all the hard, heavy lifting I did. And we ran it through a, a regressive statistical blah, 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 blah. You want to talk about the inputs. And you know what? Nobody gives a tiny rat's butt about the inputs. Nobody. You, me, maybe just because we get the job, but anybody else, stop it. What they want to know ultimately is that you have a solution, that the solution will solve the problem, and what their next steps are. Now, this is unusual because as HR and recruiting type people, we generally think we have to show the work involved. That's because the outcomes are usually very hard to measure. right? If you're a recruiter, how do you know that you hired a quality candidate versus a crap candidate? It's hard to know. Maybe it takes 90 days, six months, two years before you realize, oh, that person was a crap candidate. Uh, or that recruiter just put butts in seats, and they weren't really focused on quality candidates and didn't know how to influence hiring managers to make smarter choices to hire better people who would stick around longer, et cetera, et cetera. The metrics are very rough. The metrics are very hard. So instead of focusing on the numbers and the output, you end up focusing more on the input. How many calls did you make? How many applications did you get? How many interviews did you schedule? How much time is spent doing X and Y and Z? That's usually how you measure recruiting work. HR is the same way. You can't Measured lack of being sued, you measure. How many interviews did you have? How many conversations did you have? How many policies did you implement? How many people looked at your content on the website or whatever it was, you look at inputs, not outputs, because it's almost impossible to measure those outputs. Luckily, employer brand, we have a solution and that will lead to an output. Now you won't show an output, obviously, the, you know, the output of the solution and how this will solve all the problems, but you're getting there. You're gonna show that stuff. So step one for presenting employer brand is remembering you're presenting a solution, not the work. Now. How should your deck be structured? Here's how I do it. And again, my Jedi uh, lightsaber bit, this is how I do it. I start slide number one after the title, to let people know, is an executive summary. Now this is pretty common in some circles and completely crazy in others. And that is to say, I'm going to give my audience the answer on slide one. Here's the tag, here's where we ended up, and here's why this is important. A lot of people, take the mad men approach, that is to say, they start to tell that story, they start to build interest, they start to generate a little drama, a little tension, a little narrative tension perhaps, and then they do a grand reveal. And they, they think of it as walking them along the path. How do I get my audience to see, oh, here's where we were, and here's what, what I, we've learned, and here's some data points that support what we've learned, and here's the insight from what all that data points and all those things we've learned reveals, and here's how we express it, and then ta-da, here's the big reveal. The problem is if at any point along that journey, the the client, the leader goes, I have a question about that, you're toast. You're just toast. You are toast. They are about to take this conversation. It's like you're driving down the road and they've reached forward and grabbed the wheel and taken it and pulled it as hard to the left as they could. They are going to take this conversation someplace that you did not plan it. Now, luckily, you know the guts of this thing, so you can probably tap dance along and figure out a way to wrench the wheel out of hands and pull it back out on the road but that's a lot of work and it's going to waste valuable time not about what the path was but on how to implement because nobody cares what the path is only we care about the path is because we understand the path is how you get to the outcome if you show too much of the path you're asking anybody you're showing it to it to comment so don't let them So my solution to that is to take away that narrative reveal process and say, here's the answer. The answer is 17. The answer is chocolate ninja. Whatever it is, here's the answer. And by the way, I will show you how we got there. But because you present it first by saying, look, I don't care if three minutes after this meeting starts, a fire alarm goes off and we have to leave. I've presented it and you know the answer. There's no drama. There's no tension. Let's treat you not like an audience. I know it's Disney and I know it's Steve Jobsian to do it that way, but but for the rest of us, no. Let's instead treat this as information you can use in a problem we have solved. Be the professional. Not the Steve Jobs professional, but the real professional, right? So present that information first. Okay, so once you present that information, and by the way, that first slide should probably start with the phrase, in order to, why? Well, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. It's because you're not presenting an employer brand to present it. You're not here to get pats on the back. You're not here to get your bonus or your kudos. You're here to solve a problem. So what is the problem in order to create better employees, in order to shorten Times in order to whatever the problem you're trying to solve is, here it is, slide number one. By setting the problem you're trying to solve and the solution on slide one, you are creating a frame that says, I am the mother freaking professional here, and I have solved your problem. We can quibble about details down the road. In fact, I would recommend you give them room to quibble. We'll talk about that in a second. But at the beginning, you set the frame. It's not about if you presented a narrative process, there's a point at which you can say, The the leader could say, or the audience could say, I don't like the direction this process is taking. I want to go this way. Look at what Game of Thrones just went through, right? They went through eight years of filming and stuff, and the last season, the audience kind of went, where the hell are we going? And they pitched a fit, just fit. Now... Deservedly so. I think they make some clear points. But when you ask candidates, or you ask your audience to go on the journey, they have the opportunity to reject the journey by putting the answer and the problem and the answer at the front of the slide deck. You say, "Uh "Uh-uh. We already know the start point and the end point. The question of how we got there, we can talk about, but..." I'm stating point A and point B. How we got from A to B is a question, but we can talk about, but these are the end points, and there's no mistaking them. And they're not gonna say, well, wait, you're trying to solve the problem of lowering fill times? I thought we were trying to fill the problem of quality hires. And you can say, this actually solves that problem too, but I was tasked with this problem. There's knock-offs, knock-on effects of solving all those other problems, but my, my task, my focus was to solve this problem. When you can state it like that, man, they take a backseat. They go, cool, this person has it in the bag. They know what they're doing. This is a professional driver. I don't have to worry. I'm not going to be a backseat driver. Rock and roll. So that's the first slide. My process then is to do a quick methodology slide, and this is where you do a little bit of, hey, look, here are the inputs. Now, when I present that, it's not about, look at all the hard work I did. It's simply to say, I'm not making this up. Here, here's all the people I talked to. Here's all the stuff we did to make sure that we didn't miss anything. It's not about show me how, be impressed by how much work I did. It's about, look, I'm dedicated to making sure we didn't miss something and that we actually accurately reflect who you are, and this is all the stuff we did. Now, as a consultant, this is important because I'm kind of coming in as a stranger. I don't work in-house. I don't have a lot of vested interest. I could be telling the answer is 17 and walking out the door and they wouldn't, they'll scratch their head and go, well, he seems smart, so maybe the answer is 17. Um, but that's not going to get me very far. And they're not going to implement a number 17. If they don't understand the process and they don't understand that I got my hands dirty with their brand and their company and their people, they're not going to actually embrace the rest of us. If you're in-house, that's less important uh, because you're, you're part of the company. You're part of the family, right? You're, you're in. It's your world you're fixing. It's not somebody from the outsides. Also, you got to skim through methodology. It is to be run through, sprinted through. I go through those two or three slides of methodology so fast your head will spin. It's just like, look, we talked to a bunch of people. Here we ran a survey. Here the competition we looked at. Okay, look, boom, let's get into it. Then, because these are people who do not think about employer brand the way you and I think about employer brand, i.e., all the damn time, you have to explain what employer brand is right? If you're being tasked with fixing a leak and you spend all your time talking about the magic of duct tape, they're going to assume you're going to use duct tape to solve the leak. But what do they know about duct tape? They know that it's sticky and it's stiff. There's a million ways to use it, but they don't know that because they're not the professional. You're the professional. You are tasked with understanding it. So in order to make sure that your work sticks, not a duct tape joke, um, you need to explain employer brand. You need to define employer brand. And I do that when I not just when I present a brand, but also when I present a anything impl- involving employer brand. I need you to understand not just employer brand and a vague sense of, oh, it's what people think, cool. No, but it's, it, it's specific, right? It's the bird's nest we've talked about. It's what people think it's going to be like to work for you in the aggregate and as a series of individual perceptions, blah, blah, blah. They have to get that because if they don't understand that, everything else you're about to do is going to fall apart or at least has the potential to fall apart. If you don't set the stage by saying it's what individuals think of your company and what it's like to work at your company, they're going to say, okay, it's about having a brand, which means a new logo because they're not branding professionals like you and I are. You and I know the way to change and modify an employer brand is to change the details that people absorb before making perception choices about your brand. You can't change the bird's nest. You simply change the ingredients around the bird and they make their own bird's nest. That is a process. That is the strategy, right? At least it is for me. You may define it differently and that'd be interesting to talk about, but that's a separate ballgame. But you need to define it. If for no other reason than to, again, illustrate then you're a mother flipping professional, right? You get this stuff, that you understand things at a technical and abstract level that they simply don't get. And the more you can do that, the more they go, this person's got it in the bag. They got it. I, I feel comfortable. I feel confident that they know where they're, what they're doing and what their process was and what their outcomes was, that they didn't spend a whole lot of time and cash just hanging out with people and talking about foosball tables or whatever it is uh, to come up with my employer brand, which, by the way, I don't understand. That's a recipe for disaster. Show the process, not just from a methodology standpoint, but what is the tool? What is the idea? What is the strategy you're developing? Once you set that up, then I like to talk about the comp- competition. That is, who are you trying to compete against? Now, depending on where you are, this may or may not be a big part of your process. I tend to see that it's a big part of the process because as a consultant, if I'm coming into their company and saying, here's what your employer brand should be, if I don't show that I understand their competitive set, it's very easy to dismiss what I'm about to say. Unle- you know, Let's say I'm talking to a hospital, which I'm not at the moment, um, and i talk about your employer brand should be x they're going to say yes but what do other hospitals do that sounds like what seven other hospitals do it's not different enough it's not unique enough and you're going to be in a you're going to be in a spot you're going to be in trouble you don't have to be comprehensive about your your analysis and your audit and your competitive and audit, but you do have to show that you've looked, that you've looked at other hospitals and you've looked at other opportunities for people. You know, let's say you're doing a nurse's employer brand or a nurse-focused employer brand, that you've looked at other places nurses can work, right? You can look at clinics and you can look at uh, diabetes, uh, not diabetes, um, What's the, the one where they take the blood out? The, the, the dialysis, thank you, not diabetes. The dialysis clinics, which is a, they use a lot of nurses just like hospitals, just like doctor's offices, just like clinics, but they use them differently. So if you present your competitive audit for it, you're saying, here is the lay of the land. Here's what a big competitor looks like. Here's what a small competitor looks like. Here's what an advanced competitor looks like. Here's what a baseline competitor looks like. You're setting the stage. And then you can say, having set the stage, now where does your brand live? See how I'm doing? Now I'm having the narrative. I'm, I'm, I'm walking people through, but because they already know where they're going, they can kind of get there faster than if I was presenting this cold. And By the way, you want to leave lots of time to talk about it, so getting there faster is good. Anyway then you talk about their brand and you show anything you measured on all those competitive audits you know how many facebook posts do they do how many videos do they have how how well written is their career site how many pictures of people who are the people on their career site right I, one of those things i like to talk about is Yeah, nothing but white dudes on this career site, so that's a thing. Or clearly stock art on this career site, so hmm. Or you know what, they do a really good job trying to show people of different audiences and different backgrounds and diversity of of ethnicity or gender or whatever you wanna, however you wanna phrase it or whatever you saw, whatever, you know, I'm not gonna tell you what you saw. Again, and then you show what their brand does. You've effectively said, here is the yardstick, here is the tall, here is the short, Where do you fit? Where does your brand fit? And it turns out your brand isn't doing any video, but everybody is. Even those tiny brands are doing some video, guess what? You're setting on the stage for a video strategy, a video tactic to be sold, right? That's the process. By setting the stage and saying, here's the yardstick, here's the benchmark, and here's where you fit, any place that company or your company is lacking is a gap you can potentially fill and that you can say, look, we found these problems to solve. You're getting, in this process, more comprehensive and crisp about this broad idea called employer brand, right? Employer brand is very abstract. The more you can get specific and concrete and find those very specific gaps and find those very specific problems you're solving to show where you're going to measure, to show where you're making an output, the more the audience believes you and will accept what you have to say. So. Let's take a moment let's kind of pull it together. So you start with the answer. I call it an executive summary, but it's here's the problem here's the answer we came up with. Then you do some insanely brief methodology. do not be proud of it just get through it fast. Then here is the your competitors. Here's what they're doing, here's what they're doing well and here's what they're doing not well. If you want to do a SWOT analysis, I, I guess you could. I don't really I'm not a big believer in it, but that's me again, it's my lightsaber, I built it the way I do it. Then you talk about the brand. What are they doing? How are they being perceived? At this stage, I usually say, why do we care about this stuff? The answer is a stranger coming in the door who is trying to understand or answer the question for their own selves, what would it be like to work here? What are they going to base that information on? What are they going to base that perception and decision on? The stuff you're looking at so if i'm going to brand q and i've never heard of brand q but i saw a job posting on a job board i'm like i want to learn more about brand q what am i going to do i'm going to go to the career site i'm going to go to the glass door i'm going to look the, uh, search them on google i'm going to see what i see that's what you're going to do and having done that and i'm sorry if you can hear that uh, siren come by that was an ambulance. Oh, Bye, Angelus. Hope you're good. Anyway, by having done that process, you're saying, look, I'm putting myself in the candidate's shoes. This is what they're learning, not just about you, but about these other competitors. And now you can see it's not about you measuring and you comparing. It's about this is how a candidate compares these things. Great. Okay. Having done that, Now you talk about how does a candidate learn about this stuff? And you kind of show a bit of a journey. You talk about job boards and career sites and Glassdoor and Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and and all these places. And, you know, what happens when they go and they say, well, I have a friend who works there. What am I going to ask them? Well, that can be based on what you're seeing on Glassdoor or what you're seeing on internal survey, which if you've had a chance to look at that, kudos, good for you. Um, You can show them that there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle on how to fix this problem. This is a two-fold issue What you're trying to solve here. You're setting the stage not just for how incredibly smart and effective you're about to be, but you're also laying the groundwork for getting the resources to solve all these tiny little problems. You're getting the money for an ad campaign or better job boards or job board promotions or uh, a, a copywriter to rewrite your job posts or a copywriter to rewrite your career site or some SEO help to make sure that the right pages are, are, are searchable and found when you cite what's it like to work at Brand Q? You are laying the groundwork for that. You're also laying the groundwork for things like, and this is a common issue where, um, a company says, "Well, we're gonna try and play ostrich on this whole glass door thing." Or comms won't let us respond. Or comms, or PR, or internal, or legal, or some team in HR maybe says we can't let people to ask people to leave a review because it's not allowed. It's like, well, no, actually, millions of companies do that regularly, and that's actually completely allowed. But by setting the stage at this audience with these leaders, you can say there is a gap, and the gap is a glass door gap. The gap is a PR gap. The gap is an internal comms gap. What you're doing is saying there is an issue that we need to solve, and part of the solution comes from those teams, these teams who have previously dug their heels in. But now that you've got leadership on your side, you've kind of loosened the jar a bit, right? I'm not saying it's solved. You're still going to do a lot of good work down the road to kind of get them to buy and get them to believe you and establish your own credibility inside the space but this is how you start to get the jar loosened with those teams otherwise they could ignore you all day long and they probably already have anyway so that's that stage and then there is to me the big reveal here is the brand in my phrase i think of it as architecture that is to say here is the core idea and once we understand the core idea that gets expressed as taglines and that gets expressed as uh uh in pieces of information and those things get expressed as videos and career sites and job postings and glass doors and yada 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 right it's kind of a it's not really a I do it as a you know the the brand is the kernel in the middle and as the, the, the concentric circles get bigger and bigger they become more and more public and more and more visible that to me is how I express that then you say okay well then what is it now, again, this is all about how are you solving this problem? How are you presenting this employer brand? Are you showing an EVP? Are you showing a North Star? Are you showing a brand promise? Are you showing a position? Are you showing a tagline? Are you showing a couple of these things? Are you showing how, you know, you've got a lot of you got choices there. And I can't tell you what the answer is because I don't know how you're doing that. I don't know how your lightsaber works. At this point, <clears throat> you've gotten full way through the journey. Slide A was saying, here's the problem, here's the solution, or the slide one, right? Here's point A, here's point B. We started at point A, we're going to get you to point B. The next, I don't know, 15, 30 slides, depending on how you do it, maybe more, depending on how many competitors and how deep you want to go, don't spend too long, um, is taking them on that journey. Now that you said, um, you know, we're going to start here, we're going to go here, now that you've done it, Okay. Now you've turned a corner. It's kind of like when you watch those movies and it starts off and the guy's shot and you're like, oh God, how did we get to that point? And they show a flashback for an hour and they got, get you to the point where, okay, the, the, the hero's been shot. Now what? Same thing, right? You've now gotten to the point where, okay, now we're all on the same page. I've shown you my journey and it took 15, 20, 30 minutes to get you through that journey that I took three months to go through, or six months to go through. Here's where we are. Now, how do we do it? Now, for me, right there, Now that I have them, now that I've kind of shown them the whole process, and there's nothing they can argue with because I've done my good work, this is when I hit them with the obstacles. That is to say, I'm going to put your feet to the fire and say, if you want these things to solve a problem, here are the things that are going to go wrong. One, lack of leadership buy-in. Two, lack of le- lack of resources. Three, lack of team buy-in, maybe historical issues, maybe regulatory issues. Just go ahead and start dumping in all the obstacles in your path from the moment this meeting is over to being a hero, right? All the things that are gonna get in your way. Do you need money? Is that the real call to action here? Is that what you're trying to do? Great. Put it right there. Say, a lack of resources is going to keep us from doing great work. Fantastic. That is completely valid. Say, our internals comms team is super conservative and they're not willing to work. You've now placed the problem at leadership's feet. And you know what leadership likes to do? Solve problems. They like to feel good about themselves. And their job is not to do the work. Their job is to solve the problem. Make decisions and solve the problem. Make directions and solve the problem. They're there and they get paid to solve the problem. So let them. Now, I'm gonna take a little tangent here because one of the things you might be presenting is your tagline. Now, a tagline is one of those things where a north star's fuzzy because it's not usually public. You're not making a sign that says, here's our employer brand, or here's our brand promise. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, that's up to you. You're your lightsaber, right? But your tagline is kind of public usually, usually, and it's an expression of what is the hook that gets people to go, oh, that's interesting, I want to learn more, and then you fill it with the rest of this information you've given them. In my experience, if you tell the client, the company what the tagline is, you're asking for a conversation and you it's a conversation that you will lose. That is to say, someone in the meeting will come up with a better word for something and that will open the floodgates. And everybody will start to be a copywriter, despite the fact that there are no copywriters in this room. (laughs) And for whatever reason, my entire career is being in jobs where everybody else thinks they know how to do my job better. Everybody thought they were a better web designer when I was a web designer. Everybody thought they were a better marketer when I was a marketer. Everybody thought they were better at social when I was a social. Because they've used it, because they've seen it, because someone told them a cute, quippy little thing once. They think they're an expert and you're like, yeah, you're right. Just go ahead and throw my 10 years experience out the door. That's fine. No big deal. You are the expert. Whatever. That should be in a separate font in my head, that level of sarcasm. That was a deep level of sarcasm. Instead, and here's the trick, don't give them an answer. Give them some answers. And in fact, and this has literally happened to me, and this has literally worked for me, if you can believe it, and I know that there are people for whom they don't need this because they are literally professional copywriters and creatives who can present a single solution and close the door. But for the rest of us, and I'm including myself in this conversation, because we are marketers and not creatives, because we are marketers and not recruiters, because we're, or we're recruiters instead of uh, copywriters, this is not the part of the job in which we are the experts. There's a little wiggle room here. So I say, rather than try and protect it and avoid the wiggle room, lean into it. That is present three options. That's what I did my last in-house brand. I said, here are three potential options. By the way, I don't care what the answer is. I just care that there's an answer. I set the stage and say, I don't care which of these three solutions you pick so long as we all agree on it. And once this meeting is over, we're done, locked. We're going, I'm just gonna rock and roll with this thing. And by doing it that way, a couple of things happen. One, you're not trying to come off as the asshole who knows it best. This is their company. While you have done all the due diligence around their brand, you are effectively representing their company and they need to put their fingerprints on this thing. If they think you've done it and wrapped it and tied a bow on it, they may not see that as a positive. They may see, well, then what do you need me for? And you need to give them a chance to make an impact. You need to give them a chance to put their fingerprints on this project. So that means letting them talk. Book about 10, 15 minutes to have the conversation. Which one do you like best? In my case, literally in the meeting, we took part of the first one and part of the third one glued them together and I went, and I literally did the math in my head as we are talking. Like, I see exactly where they're going with this. Does this solve my problem? Does this ignore a part of the brand that is crucial for what we're trying to do? No? Fine, I'm good with it again, all I cared about was having an answer. I'm not here to drive the ego. I'm not here to say I'm the smart one who came up with it. All I care about is having some buy-in so I can do the rest of my job where the real the real powerful stuff happens. I think I've told this story before, but a million years ago when I was working at the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, I know, I know, you're jealous. I can tell. We were had a very, and this was uh, 12 years ago, they were having a very long project about redesigning the website, and they had a big team of 10 or 12 people on the committee to redesign the website and they would have these hours long conversations about the design of the homepage and Someone realized that I hadn't spoken in a couple of meetings, and they turned to me and something. They quietly turned to me and said, "Why aren't you involved in this conversation?" What they were kind of saying was, "James, you're kind of a loud mouth. You're, we're not used to you just sitting on the sidelines on these kinds of conversations." And I said, "Because no one's going to see the homepage. Everybody's going to use Google to jump to an internal page, and if I get to design that, you can fight all you want. Pick your battles, man. Pick your battles. Where is your impact going to be felt? Is it going to be on the tagline?" No, it's not. It's going to be on how it's used, how it's executed. It's the resource uh, uh, loosened to execute it, to communicate it, to broadcast it. It's all the different creativity. It's all the different buy-in. It's all the different credibility you establish in this process. The tagline is almost immaterial. Unless they're buying a tagline, which in very rare cases they are, um, the answer is the solution. And if you give them a chance to kind of put their fingerprints on that solution, they're going to feel like it's their solution. And the best part of feeling like their solution, they back their solution, right? Cool. So there's your solution. You've established your, your obstacles to the path, and then, you, and then you should have some sort of call to action hey, this is what I need, these are the next steps, this is where it's going. Hey, now that you give me buy-in, the next step is to turn this into a vocabulary. This next thing is to turn this into job posting, is to embed these ideas into the career site. You could do this all day long. Don't give them everything. Your job is not to be comprehensive. Your job is to get buy-in. This isn't your master's thesis. You're not trying to get a doctorate in this. You're just trying to get them to say, cool, do it. That's the complete and total outcome and end game of your process here, right? Cool, do it. That's what you're shooting for. Cool, do it is it the gold medal of this whole thing, not how smart are you. You are smart. Don't worry about that. You just got to go talk to your parents, your spouse, your therapist about how smart you are. This is not the place for personal validation. This is a place to get the cool, do it, so you can go do it. So you've established the next steps and what the process is. Give them a chance to say, what does it cost? I personally don't have a number in front of them on the deck. I'll bury it in the appendix. I'll bury it somewhere where I know I can get to it. I will think of every single objection they have. And common objections are things like, how do we make sure that marketing, that this integrates with what marketing is already doing or what PR is already doing, what comms are doing? I got a slide for that. We got to make sure that um, who else needs to be involved with this? What What do we need from them? I got a slide for that. What is this going to cost? I told you, I got a slide for that. All the objections I can anticipate, I have a slide for. I stick it in the appendix and chances are, I'm going to show them maybe 10% of them. It's, it's there. It's like a choose your own adventure. Whatever the objection is that gets raised, you jump to that slide and then you jump back. Show that you've thought this through. If you try and get through this conversation without an objection, you did not get through this conversation. <laughs> It's true. If you think you can just say it and and walk away that it's a lecture and they go, cool, do it, no, you had zero buy-in. Unless they question you, unless they object to something, unless they want clarification, unless they push back on you on some level, unless you give them a chance to put their fingerprints on this thing, it's a cool idea that's never going to get anywhere. It's true. You need to let them kick it around. Their egos are just as fragile as yours, even even though they're highly paid and you may not be. It doesn't matter they need to feel like they've made an impact they need to feel like they've done their job you need to let them kick it around give them the chance do not be scared of it do not get defensive about it this is the process and frankly when they push back on you once and you have a great answer for their pushback maybe you jump to a slide maybe you have a a great answer in your back pocket i have a lot of good a lot of good ones like that um they just feel good about it they go okay this person's got it in hand This person seems competent and confident, and I I feel good about this. And they kind of back off. Maybe you just need one, right? It's that you want to make sure that uh, you you don't want to get messed with in prison. You you beat somebody up first round. You 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 have such a great answer to their first question that no one wants to kind of come at you again, that they feel confident that you've thought this whole thing through. Yeah, it's a weird metaphor, but it's there. Anywho, so to me, that's how you present the employer brand and leadership. That's how you're going to get buy-in. Now. You've done a lot of work to get effectively a cool, do it, right, best case scenario. There's still so much work to be done. Do not necessarily take a public victory lap once you get the cool, do it. Take a personal victory lap. Go into your Facebook group with all the other employer brand folks that you like so much and tell them and they'll be proud for you and they'll be excited for you. But this is a quiet victory. This is not a public victory. There are plenty of other public victories for which you should be taking victory laps. And I think I could do a whole podcast on how to take a better victory lap and I'd be talking to myself as much as anybody else. Um, but this isn't it. This is about a step in the process to make sure, to clear the obstacles, to clear the air, to make sure everybody gets what you're doing and the value of what you're doing. This is job security. This is confidence that you have what it takes and you know what you're doing and you have expertise in this thing that they do not. And that's the answer. That's what you're trying to achieve, and that's how you make it happen. Well, that was a little bit of a long podcast. Um, like I said, I'm trying to get Lindsay maybe next week or the week after, depending on what schedules look like. We're both kind of busy. Um, otherwise, I got some more guests I'm trying to line up as we speak. Actually, I do have a guest lined up later this week. We'll see. You'll have somebody new. It won't just be me next time. I don't know if it's Lindsay or my other special guest. We'll see how it goes. Thanks so much for listen- listening. Listening. I'm suddenly on Sean Connery. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I'm not drunk. Uh, As always, share it. uh, Tell people. Review it. Leave some reviews. Whatever. Find me on Twitter and yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, Come with your own ideas. All that good stuff. Love to hear it. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast.